Hallelujah. Well, it's the best day we ever had. You know, I want to talk to you. I had my notes laid out to talk to you about the heart, and Jimmy talked to you about the heart a couple of weeks ago. And I just kind of laid it aside, and God said, what he had to say about the heart is not what you've got to say about the heart. You need to get it picked up and go on. And you notice nearly every song that we sang today had heart in it. You know, what is that heart? Oh, that's that thing down there somewhere. You know, it's, it's somewhere down there, and it, it's tied to the soul. We know that. But what is that heart? And, you know, we want to talk about it because it's an important issue. <clears throat> and, you know, one of the things God said I remember, and these, this is not in my notes, these, what I'm talking about here. But God said in Genesis 6.6, 6, he said, it grieved God in his heart. God has a heart. That he made man. Because he says the thoughts of man are on evil continually. And it grieved God in his heart that he had made man. Amen? So we see the heart issue is a, is a thing. And you know, we sing that song, Psalms 147.3. He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. He does what? He heals the heart and binds up their wounds. And Luke 4.18, he come to heal the what? Broken hearted. Now, for years, I didn't understand this. I thought that when God did what he did in me back in 1975, that he healed my old heart because we sing it all the time. Amen? But no. He finally showed me about 10 years later after that that he gives us a new heart. How he heals the broken heart and binds up the wounds is he gives you a new heart, Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a what? new heart, and a new spirit. I'll take away the stony heart. I'll set it aside, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And he said, I will cause, and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. I'll put my what? Spirit within you. Why is that important? We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Why is my spirit important? Because that's how God has chosen to dwell with us is with his spirit within us. Oh, hallelujah. All right. That's just the opener. Thank you, Lord, for the word. And uh, I didn't have those in there, so I thought I'd just add those while we're here. All right. There is a verse. All right. Ephesians chapter 2. I was standing over there a while ago, and he's put this in my heart. It's not my notes either says, verse 19, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Say what? Household of God. You're no more strangers and foreigners, but you're citizens and saints of the household of God. And you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building are framed together, groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. Say, I'm a holy temple. In whom ye also are built together into, is that word for, a habitation of God in the Spirit. Did you catch that? A habitation of God, what? In the Spirit. In the Spirit is where the habitation of God dwells in you. The Most High doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He said, what house are you going to build me? 
And he says, the former house, this latter house, shall be greater than the former house. And the desire of all nations shall come. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, Haggai. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord. That is in each and every one of us. We are the habitation of God. God is dwelling in us. And how's he doing that? Through the Spirit. And that's, it has to do with the heart. All right, I want to start uh, in Hebrews chapter. And I, I've done this before, but, you know, it's like exchange. How many times have I preached on exchange? Only the Lord knows. Every day, every day. We don't always get it first few times, do we? It takes a while. Now, God says something here in, in Hebrews 8. Verse 7 says, For if the first covenant had been faultless, there should be no place sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new. Say new. Brand new. Covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Jacob. Not according to that which I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, because they continue not in my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, after those days. Say after those days. Say we're living in those days. We are living in those days. And after those days, Israel and Jacob will see this same covenant that we have now was their covenant that they didn't receive. So we're in the after those days. Okay. Saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and I will write them into their hearts. And I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For you will all know me from the least to the greatest. Say what? You'll all what? Know me. Jeremiah 24, 7, God says, I will give you a heart to know me. Catch it? That new heart is the heart that God wants to give you to know him. And in that heart, you'll know him and nobody have to tell you if you know him. You'll know him. From the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And in that he saith a new covenant. He hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. The old covenant has vanished away with all its laws and ordinances and everything with it. And we have a new one. Established on what? Better promises. Amen? All right. Woo. All right. Now, chapter 10, Hebrews here. Verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those that are sanctified, past tense. Say, that's me. By one offering, he took care of me forever. Right? Say it. I'm, that's me. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also a witness. Who is the Holy Ghost? For after this he said, This is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts. See, a while ago he said he'd put them in your mind. And he'd write them in your heart. And he reversed it here. He says, I will put your laws into their hearts. And into their minds I will write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember what? No more. Where, now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Say, No more. By one offering, forever, he took care of sin. So sin's a dead issue in your life. 
So we have boldness to come into the presence of God, verse 19, by a new and living way. Say new and living way. New, co- new covenant. Which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a what kind of heart? Come on now. Let us draw near with a true heart. What is a true heart? Say new heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Part of the conscience is works into your heart. A clear conscience comes out of a new heart. You got a new conscience now. So let's hold fast our profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised it. Amen? All right, I will put my laws. You know, James says, said he that looks into the perfect, James one twenty five. he that looks into the perfect law of liberty, what kind of law? Liberty. What kind of law are we in now? The law of liberty. And continues therein, not being a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, his man shall be blessed in all his deeds. Right? And Romans 8 says what? There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. For the spirit of life in Christ has made me free for the law of the spirit of life. Say law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. So you see, we're not tied to the law of sin and death anymore. We're part of the the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and the freedom, the perfect law of liberty. Say liberty and freedom. And so stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and be not again entangled in the yoke of bondage. Amen? All right. We're getting there. All right. This is the difference between the old covenant and the new. The old covenant, the laws was placed outside of man, having been written on tables of stone. I will take away that what kind of heart? Stony heart. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. That's the new. The old is for the the old covenant's for the old man. The new covenant is for the new man. Say so that's me. That's who I am. I'm not the old anymore. I'm not the old trying to be new. Amen. All right, let's go to, to Jeremiah chapter thirty one. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, I could have got saved reading Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, because that's all they had when they was preaching. And people got saved listening to them. They are so good. All right, Jeremiah, what did I say? 31, verse 27. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Jacob with the seed of man, with the seed of beast, and it shall come to pass that like I have watched over to pluck up and to break down and to throw down and destroy and afflict. So I will watch over to build, to plant, saith the Lord. To what? To build and plant. He's building, he's, he's building his house. You're part of that precious stones that he's building. And he says, in those days they shall show, say no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on age, edge. But every man shall die for his own iniquity. What do he say? Now look at verse 31. The days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and Jacob, not according to that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand and brought them out of Egypt, which covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them. But this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. 
I will put my law in their inward parts and write them in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will teach no man, <clears throat> and everyone in his neighbor saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least to the greatest, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin. Now, you notice that word sin, singular? I want you to understand something about sins. A lot of the guys that interpreted our Bibles were sin conscious. Now, in 1 John, it says, if you say you have no sin, S-I-N, singular, you, you, you deceive yourself. <clears throat> but if you confess your sins, plural, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, the problem is sin is the root. Jesus come to lay the axe to the what? The root of sin. Now, if you say you have no sin because of Adam, you're deceived. But if we confess our sins... It's the same singular word. If we confess our sin, what sin? The sin of Adam. The sin that we were born with because Jesus came to separate it. But we've been focused in on your sins. How many of you can confess all the sins you've ever committed? Anybody? I think I might forget a few. You see how it moves from the root to the fruit? And a lot of time when it says sins, it gets you caught up in your acts. Jesus didn't come to deal with your acts because God said, I'm not going to remember your sins and your iniquities anymore. Because of what my son did, that axe is laid to the root and I'm not going to remember the fruit no more. Because it's not a fruit issue, it's a root issue. For by one man's sin, singular, entered into the world and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So by the obedience of one, right, the free gift has come upon all men through eternal life. So it's a sin issue, not sins issue. And the church has made it sins, and there's no place, because when you go there, you're dealing with sin and death all the time. He came to take care of that, and God says, your sins and your iniquities will I what? Remember no more. So if he don't want to remember them, why should we? Amen? All right. All right. Then he goes on them talking about the covenant that he makes, how sure it is. Basically what he's saying, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, then can you break this covenant? How sure is the sun coming up every morning and setting every night? That's pretty sure, isn't it? So that's a pretty good covenant we're in. Because God didn't make the covenant with us. God made the covenant with his son. And we are partakers of it through his son. How sure is that? That's pretty sure. I mean, that is called an everlasting covenant. That man can't break because it wasn't between man. It was between God and his son. And that's the new covenant that we're partakers of. Hallelujah. All right. We got that one done. All right. Isaiah 51, 7 says, Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness. Say, we know righteousness. Because God made him to be sin, singular, for us who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we're righteous because of what he did, right? All right. Hearken to me, ye that know righteousness. The people in whose heart, say, my heart is his law. Fear ye not the reproach of men, neither be afraid of their revilings. Don't be afraid of them. Now, we go over here to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, I want to start in verse 
As I besought thee to abide still in Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that you might charge some that they teach no other doctrines. They teach what kind of, no other what? Doctrine. All right. Neither give heed to fables or endless genealogies or, or minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is faith. So do. Now, the end of the commandment is love, charity, out of a pure heart. What kind of heart? Pure heart. And good conscience. See, the good conscience comes with the new heart. He said, that's what you preach. And faith unfeigned. For from which some, having swerved, turned aside into vain janglings, desiring to be teachers of the what? Law. There's a whole Jewish movement. Jewish roots movement now where people are teaching people the law. Getting them back. This is the very people he's talking about right here. It's going on today. Understanding neither what they say nor where they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. How many of you know you can be saved by the law if you can keep it? The law is good. There's nothing wrong with the law. The problem was here. No man could keep it. Because that's what it says in Romans 8. For the it's weakness of man through the flesh couldn't keep it. He says, knowing this, the law is not made for the righteous man. Say, the law is not made for me. Because I'm living by the righteousness of another. Yeah, there you go. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless, the disobedient, the ungodly, the sinners, the unholy, the profane, the murderers, the fathers, murderers of mothers, men's life, whoremongers. Man, that list is awful. I don't even want to go there. That's what the law was for. Mike and it was talking about it a while ago. We, we was talking about things that's going on in the world today, even 30 years ago when we were younger, or maybe 50. There was things going on in the world that was not open like it is now. You know what I'm talking about? There was still enough of the law mixed into with religion that there's some things people just didn't do. I mean, I can remember when they started using the first foul words on TV and they'd bleeping them out because this law was still holding that old man in check. But now the old man's been loosed out of the closet and he's having a heyday today. Amen? But see, that's, that was the whole law was given to keep man in check. The old nature in check. But Jesus came to do what? Put him away. So you could have a new nature. A brand new nature in God. That's what this new covenant's all about. A new covenant for a new man. Spirit, soul, and body. All right. We go on. Now, in this, look in Ezekiel. I keep going back and forth because it's very important for you to see. God's heart and his intent all alone was this new covenant. I mean, you can you say, I don't want to read the old Bible. You need to read the old Bible. It's full of new covenant stuff. Here in Ezekiel chapter 11. <clears throat> and this, my head, heading here says, the God's promise of restoration. All right. I want to start in verse 17 here in 11. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you've been scattered, and I will give you a land of Israel. 
And they shall come hither, and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof, and the abominations thereof. And I will give them one heart. I'll give them one? One heart. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 17, Father, I pray that they may be one as we are one, that they may be one in us, that we all may be one. You know, I was listening to a commercial, and it was singing that old song. One is the loneliest number that you'll ever know. In the world, that's right. But in the kingdom, one is the most precious word you'll ever see. It's a union word. It is a rich, rich word. One is a rich word. But in the world, it's the loneliest number you'll ever see. Remember the song? Wave out there if you remember that. Oh, yeah, I got a few hands. You see how his ways are not God's ways? And the world's ways are not God's ways? He said, I'll give them one heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That you may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinance and do them. And you will be my people and I'll be your God. As for them whose heart walks after their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their way upon their heads, saith the Lord. All right. You still with me? Romans 10.10, I know we're going to have another week here. Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believeth into righteousness. Romans 10.10. Say into. That's the Greek word. With the heart we believe into righteousness. We believe into righteousness. We're not just made righteous. We believe into that righteousness of God. The very righteousness of God. And he says, For with the heart man believeth into righteousness, and with the mouth... Confession is made into salvation. For whosoever, say me, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be what? Saved, delivered, sanctified, glorified, every other fight. It's all in there. Second Corinthians 5.21 is that he made him to be sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. The very righteousness of God as new creatures. Righteousness of God is a new heart. The righteousness of God is who we are. That's a new heart. Now, while we're here in Ezekiel, go with me to chapter 18. So I guess you'd say we're laying foundation today, aren't we? Verse 30, Therefore I judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, saith the Lord. Repent, turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity will not be your ruin. Now look in verse 31. Cast away from you all your transgressions where you have transgressed and make you a new heart. Make you a what? New heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn and live. What was God's answer? A new heart. It's a new heart. Turn and make you... And, and remember... This new heart thing is not a new, not a new deal. Remember when Saul was elected king and Samuel anointed him. It says when Samuel turned to walk away, when Saul turned to walk away from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. He was turned into another man, it says. What is that? A new heart. But what did he do? He chose to walk in the old heart. That's why he fell. Because he went back to the old heart. Now, see, your old heart is set aside. 
I wish it was taken plumb away. It would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice, Mike, if we didn't have to deal with the flesh? If the flesh wasn't here anymore? The only problem, we wouldn't be here anymore. Because it's here. The last thing that's going to be exchanged is this old body. For we shall not all sleep, but we all shall be exchanged. Is that word changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye? And we're going to have a glorified body made like unto his glorified body. That's the only thing waiting is this body to be exchanged. This corruptible body is going to be exchanged into an incorruptible body in a moment. At the last breath. When you take your last breath, this old body ceases and you get a new body. Is that a deal? I don't know what that's got to do with anything. But anyhow. So he says, cast away from you. And then we know the scriptures I've already given to you. Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart. Jeremiah 24, 7, if you didn't write it down, he said, I'll, I'll give you a heart to know me. That we're going to know him. <clears throat> Habitation of God, what? Through the Spirit. Habitation of God. Now, you remember in John chapter 14. Now, I'm going to really stretch you here now. Because <clears throat> <clears throat> the Most High doesn't dwell in what? Temples made in hands. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14. I'm going to turn there. Let not your hearts be what? Anxious. Agitated is the word. Let not your hearts be troubled. <clears throat> you believe God, believe into me. In my Father's house are many rooms. That word mansion's not a little cabin over in the corner of glory land. I'm sorry. Just get it out of your head. In my Father's house. We're not just going to have a house in the corner of glory land. We're going to have a room in the Father's house. Say Father's house. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. My Father's house are many dwelling places. You catching the picture? Many what? Dwelling places. Okay. <clears throat> if it were not, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. All right. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know nothing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but my, me. If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. And henceforth, you have known him and see him. Philip said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been so long yet, Philip? Have you not known me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How says thou, show us the Father? Believe that, that I am in the Father, Jesus said, and the Father is in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me doeth the works. The word equals the works. When he spoke, the word works followed. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or believe for the works' sake. Verily I say unto you, he that believeth into me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works shall he do, because I go unto the Father. And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, I will do it. If you love me, keep my, the word commandments is my instructions. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Say another comforter. It's not like this one, because the comforter, when he was with them, he could only be in one place at one time. But he said, I'm going to give you another comforter, that he may abide with you for what? Forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knows him. 
but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Say, where's he going to be? In you, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave. What did he say here? I will not leave you, verse 18. Comfortless, I will come to you. Who's coming? He is. I go to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back and receive you into myself, that where I am, there may you be also. The place Jesus was talking about, preparing for you, is a new heart. My Father, me and the Holy Spirit, is going to come in the form of a new heart, and I'll put my laws in your heart. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. The new heart is the Holy Spirit. The habitation of God we read well ago in Colossians 2, 19, the habitation of God through the Spirit. Jesus said, now catch this, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms, dwelling places. I'm going to go prepare a place, and then the Father's going to prepare that house, and he's going to bring it down and dwell among you. It's going to be in you. I and the Father and the Holy Spirit are going to live in you. That's the house. What did Jesus say that they said? Show us the kingdom. He said, it's not with observation. The kingdom of God is within you. That kingdom is that new heart. That new, in that heart is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your soul. See, God, I'm going to give your heart to know me. He's not, you get it? Yeah, he's there and Jesus sitting at the right hand. But the Holy Spirit is the new heart. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that's dwelling in you now. Say now. That new heart is the very righteousness of God. Living in your heart today. That's what he went to prepare. He said, I'm going to go to my Father and we're going to get the comforter. And I'm going to come back to you. And the Father's going to come back to you. I won't leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and I'm going to come. How complicated is that? You with me? We like to keep the father and their son sitting up there, you know, and we're down here. No, they're sitting up there all right, but there's just one problem with that picture. You also are seated with them in heavenly places. You're, also, you're already there. You're in union with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit already. He's building his house now, a habitation of God through the Spirit. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. And the anointing that you have received abides in you. You need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing as you teaches you all things and his truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. The Spirit of truth will come and lead and guide you into all truths. Said all creation, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is living in each and every one of you. And that's the new heart, new spirit that he's given you. And that's, if you be risen with Christ now, set your mind on things above. For you're dead and your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, Colossians 3, shall appear, you're going to appear with him in glory. Because you're already seated with him in glory. What is union? One is not the loneliest number you'll ever know. One is the most significant number you'll ever know in the kingdom. Because Jesus said, Father, I pray that they may be one, as we are one, that the world may know that you've sent me and have loved them as you've loved me. And we're going to come 
And what is it, Romans 5, 5? And hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost that's given to us. God is what? Love. Can you see this is all part of the heart, the new, the new heart, the new spirit, the new soul, new body? Am I stretching this? I don't think so. You know, how many times in the book of Acts it says, where's the house you're going to build for me? How are you going to make me a house? He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. See, this whole thing is talking about a new heaven, a new earth. You know, and, and, and we talked about this. You know, in, in Isaiah, oh, thank you, Lord. I can tell I'm going to have to do this again. In Isaiah chapter 65. Oh, thank you, Lord. Isaiah, I mean, uh, yeah, Isaiah 65, verse 17. For behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And the former heaven and the former earth will not even come into your mind anymore. You won't even think about it anymore. But you will be glad and rejoice forever in that I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem, joy in my people, and the voice of weeping shall no more be heard, nor the voice of crying. And there will be no more infant of days, nor old men that had not filled their days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall die cursed. And they will build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit. And they shall not build and another inhabit and plant and another eat for the days. For as the days of a tree are for my people, that mine elect shall long enjoy the works of their hands. They shall not labor in vain nor bring forth trouble, for they sh- the seeds are blessed. I like verse 24. And it shall come to pass, before you call, I will answer. And while you're yet speaking, I will hear. You think there's anything in the wolf and the lion allowed down together? You know what that's talking about. That's the new millennium. So you see that. And, and then you also see it in, in Revelation. That's where we supposed to go 21. A new heaven and a new earth. When it's created righteous. And you remember last week? What I said to you shook some of you up. But I said, too many people is waiting to get out of here. And Jesus said... It's the parable of the sower and the tares. And they, the harvest guys come in and said, there's tares among the wheat. You want us to pull them up? He said, no, the enemy's planted. Don't worry about it. He said, let them grow together till the harvest. And in the harvest time, I'm going to send the angels and they're going to gather out, out of his kingdom all the tares and all the defend. And he's going to bundle them up together and burn them. And then the righteous will be left in the kingdom and will shine in the glory of the kingdom. See, it's not about what the devil's doing. God's going to call it into this one of these days. And all of this we're talking about now is going to be set up for at least a thousand years. Give me an amen. All right. Now, I think I want to try to get, if I can find it again, I want to do another verse or two before we, this is a continued. You see the word continued next week? It's right there. 
All right. Say, help him, Jesus. Jeremiah chapter 3. All right. <clears throat> Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 11. The Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel has justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, says the Lord. And I will not uh, cause my anger to I will not cause my anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord, and have scattered your ways uh, to the strangers under every tree. You have not obeyed my voice. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married to you, and I will take you one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion, which is the church. Now listen, I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. What did he say? I'm going to give you pastors according to my heart. Which heart? The new heart that will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And it shall come to pass when you multiply the increase in the land in those days. After those days, say we're in those days. Say we're in those days, saith the Lord. They will say no more the Ark of the Covenant. Look at this. Neither will it come into mind. How many of you sit around and think about the Ark of the Covenant and the old, new, old Covenant? How many of you just sit around thinking about the old? I don't waste my time thinking about the old. And he said, it don't even come into your mind. Neither will you remember it. And neither shall you visit it. Neither shall that be done anymore. And at that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord What do we read in Revelation? There's going to be a new Jerusalem come down. A new Jerusalem wherein dwells righteousness. And there won't be any light there for the Christ will be the light and he'll be the tree. And he says, and they shall gather to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk any more after the imaginations of their what kind of heart? Why? Because you'll have a new heart. So what's God's goal? To give you a new heart. And it's a heart to know him. He's not that hard to know. All you have to do is receive the new heart. And you'll know him from the least to the greater, the greatest. <clears throat> now he says, in those days the house of Judah will walk with the house of Israel. We call that union. Come together out of the land of the north. <clears throat> I have given his inheritance to their fathers. But he said, how shall I put thee among the children and give thee a pleasant land, a goodly heritage among the nations? And... Uh, Anyhow, okay. You see where I'm going? Now, there's another scripture in Jeremiah. Not sure where it's at. But he says, he says, I am raising up a habitation of shepherds, pastors, that will cause the sheep to lie down. What do we call that? Look at Eric back there. It's called repose. That's the Greek word, repose. See, it's not about our works. It's about his works. He's going to cause you to rest from all your labors. He leadeth me. He he makes me to lie down where? Green pastures. 
See, it's the planning of the Lord that he might be glorified. It's his work, not ours. And he's causing us to learn to rest because we're created, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And he has created us to do good works from that position. You learn to work from that position of rest. And if you're working for that from that position, it's not work. It's rest. <clears throat> All right. That's why this heart, this whole heart thing is so important. Because you know in Jeremiah 17, 9, he said, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And he says, that's why he had to give us a new one. He's a creator. He's not interested in redoing your old heart. He's into giving you a new heart and a new spirit. Now, <clears throat> 1 John 3.20 says, If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence with God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive. Why? We have confidence in the Lord. See, the mind is linked to the heart. Let me just give you a few examples. Jesus said this. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? He didn't say your mind. He said your what? Your hearts. Mark 2, 6 through 8. Why reason you things in your heart? Luke 1, 5, 1. Wherefore do you questions? Why do questions arise in your heart? He always said your heart, not your mind. For with the heart, man, what? believes into righteousness. So where is that heart? I don't know. I think it's down here somewhere. It's not here. You know why I know that? Because we got Manuel. Y'all know Manuel? He's got brain problems and he can't talk. But that rascal can pray in tongues all day long. Why? Because it ain't coming out of here. It's coming out of the heart. It's the most wonderful example I've ever seen of knowing the difference between the brain and the heart. See, we got a brain that needs to be reprogrammed. It's just a member. But you have an old mind and you have a new mind. So you got to grow up in your new thinking. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He gives it to you. It's a gift because the natural mind is not subject to God, neither indeed can be. But we have the mind of Christ. How did we get it? He gave it to us. So we can freely know the things that's freely given to us in Christ. We got a new mind. But many times he said that. Luke twenty four thirty eight. He said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? And Luke in Matthew thirteen fifty, he said, they understand with their hearts and be converted and I should heal them. He didn't say with your mind, with your heart. So you see how important that heart is. And that's why I'm trying to tell you that that new heart is the righteousness of God and it has come in the form of the comforter. We're going to make our, our abode with you and it's a habitation of God in the spirit and the Holy Ghost is shedding the love of God in our hearts right now in us. And who is agape? God is agape. So I want you to begin to see that new heart is God's habitation. That's the part of you that God is living in, is the new heart. That's, that's him. That's the place of the soul, the mind, will, and the emotion 
It's where the new heart is and God's habitation is in you through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just ask you to help us open our eyes to see in a new, a new way. You said the things that's seen are temporal, but the things that's not seen are eternal. And you can open the eyes of our understanding to see the spirit realm. And I thank you, Lord, that we might see freely what we have in you and why you sent the Comforter to us to lead and guide us into all the truth. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Well, let's stand, and I'll bless you. I think we can finish this next week. Well, the Lord blesses you, and the Lord is keeping you, and the Lord has made his face to shine upon you, and he's given you a new heart. And he's lifted up his countenance upon you and given you his peace in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.